Turning to Second Samuel, the second book of Samuel, chapter 23, and open the pages of Scripture there, and keep them open, please. We'll be referring to some verses from this great chapter. It says in the beginning of the chapter, these be the last words of David. Now when we go on to the next chapter and into Kings, we we still find David uh, speaking. But these are the last words of the anointing of God upon him. The last words of the psalmist, the last words of inspiration that God gives him. And uh, other words are just words all into the other chapters until his death are words not really from God but from himself and the things. Not that he had lost the anointing but that these these are the official last words that God gave him in the, this chapter that we, have, that we are reading. So it makes it very important the last words of uh, a servant of God of any man especially someone like David. So just uh, let us pause for a moment's prayer. Father, we thank you for what has been sung and what has been prayed. And we gather now, Lord, around the precious word of God. And Father, we know that the, your word says who is sufficient for these things. And I am certainly not. And unless, Lord, the Holy Spirit guides and leaves, leads and lifts out and inspires this word, our Father, it will be of no avail. So I pray, Lord, this morning for that unction, that anointing, that power, Lord, that cometh from thee into our hearts and into our souls that you would touch these lips of clay and that your name above all would be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Twelve years ago this week, a young Tunisian man named Bahamud Bazari was selling apples in his hometown in Tunisia. He was trying to scrape up support for his family who was on the verge of starvation and to support and feed them. Members of the Taliban government official who ruled that part of the country uh, at that time and probably still do confiscated the apples confiscated his handcart and his money, slapped and kicked him and humiliated him before the public, and that was the second time they'd done it. He went home and he got a box of matches and he doused himself with paint thinners and burnt himself to death in the public street as a, an act of public protest and defiance. 
the crack of that match spurned off, spurred off a fire which turned into a wildfire which ravaged through the Middle East and North Africa and is still raging today. One crack of that match is still raging today across the nation of Morocco, Jordan, Bahrain, Libya, Yemen, Egypt, Oman, Syria, the West Bank of Gaza and Israel. It was entitled the Arab Spring and behind it all was the satanic powers of Satan moving through the fundamental Islamist to destroy the Jews. Death to the Zionists and the destruction of the Jewish people. The fire that that match ignited will continue on until Armageddon itself. It was the harbinger and the prelude and the forerunner to the great battle of Armageddon that's going to come for those jihadists and what's going on will increase and continue until the Prince of Peace comes and until he puts Satan under his feet and destroys them all. Right through the word of God we uh, for centuries there's been many young men like Bazari, great multitudes of people they are who are patriotic, patriotical, men and women who are prepared to stand alone, men and women who are prepared to give the ultimate sacrifice, who are prepared to do what they can and give their life for liberty and for freedom. That commences way back in Genesis chapter 4. It commences there in Genesis chapter 4 when uh, he Abel was Abel when he was intimidated and threatened by his brother Cain. He was threatened by Cain to forsake the fundamental truths that he was taught by his father and mother. Those, those fundamental truths of redemption, justification, substitution, atonement that the father and mother or the father in particular taught the two boys, Cain and Abel. I often say that Cain and Abel knew more gospel than I knew when I was saved. He told them about the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood that was shed for the atoning and the substitutionary for the substitution of their sins. And because Abel wouldn't uh, wouldn't agree with what uh, Cain was doing. Uh, he refused to to give in to the apostate, modernist religion, and that's where it started way back in Cain. He refused to bow to the false religious works of man. He refused to bow to the ultimate sacrifice that God has given them the only way through the blood. And you know the story that he was slain by his brother in the field. As I speak to you this morning, 
Let me remind you what I was reminded there during the week. That 91 people every day are martyred for their faith. And I'm talking about fundamental Christians. 91 every day, every week, every month, every year. And it's increasing as time goes on. There are people that are being martyred for their stand for the truth of God's word. And we travel right through the book. And as we do through the book of God, we discover that uh, we owe our spiritual heritage to those who stood to give us this word and this book and the old faith. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The nonconformists, Patrick Henry, the American, said, give us liberty or give us death. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read with cruel mockings and scourgings, ye over of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder. Stoned, Stephen was stoned to death. Isaiah was sawn asunder. James, the brother of John, was beheaded. The Apostle Paul was beheaded. It says that they wandered about in sheepskins and in goatskins. The Emperor Nero dressed the believers, the Christians, up in goatskins and in sheepskins and let them loose and let the lions after them. That was the sort of price that they paid through generations and are still paying today in many places to hold to what God has taught us in the Word. It says of those people who were destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They refused to accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Ten of the apostles, apart from John, was martyred. James was flung from a roof and he was killed. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten to death. And on you go through the word of God. And I want to remind us this morning the price that has been paid for our freedom and for our liberty. And when we look at the modern church this morning and compare them with the church of the past, we feel so embarrassed. We must feel so inadequate. We must feel so foolish at times. Now when we come to Second Samuel 23 and the verse 8, if you get your eyes on verse 8, we have here three of the thirty, three of the thirty of David's mighty men. Uh, maybe only twenty-eight men, some think he is thirty, but well, three of them's here. David's men, these mighty men who stood with David, he taught their hands to war and their fingers to fight. They were David's special air service people. He could not have survived without them, either before he became king or after he became king. One day they stepped forward when he was in a terrible crisis in the early days. These men, these mighty men of David stepped forward and said, Thine are we, David. Thine are we. And on thy side. That's why I asked Stephen to sing that hymn this morning. 
They stepped forward and said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side. And they never flinched. They never flinched in loyalty or in love. They never went back one iota. They stood their ground. Down through the reign of David, David and before it. You look at verse 8. You have the colonel in chief in verse 8. See him here. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanites that sat in the seat. Chief among the captains. The same was Adonai the Ezanite. That was number one. He lifted up a spear against 800 whom he slew at the one time. That would be a good man to have on your side. And verse 9 is number two. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines, that when they were gathered together to battle and the men of Israel had gone away. Verse 10, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him to the spoil. Number three was Shammah. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Harite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Pay particular attention now to these next two verses of three. And three of the thirty men went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Repham. David was then in an hold and the garrison of the Philistines was sent into Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was at the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things, these did these three mighty men. What a mighty crowd of men these were to have round them. If you noticed, oh, many times it says, in them, and it says directly and shows in the word of God how faithful that these men stood. David had them with him all the time. Jesus Christ himself could say at the end of his battles that they all forsook him and fled. Paul the Apostle could say when he had ended the battle, only Lucas with me. Can I say this this morning? It's good when you come to a crisis in your life. When you come to the battles that we suffer and go through as we walk the Christian pathway, it's good to have those who stand with you. It's good in the family to have those who stand with you. It's good for those in the church to stand with you. Thank God for loyal husbands and loyal wives. 
who stand with one another through thick and thin in these days when you can get divorced for snoring. Thank God for those who stand with one another and pray with one another and back one another. You thank God for your wife, sir. And thank God for your husband. And thank God for your children and you children. Thank God for your father and mother who try to bring you up the best they can and look after you and educate you and feed you and teach you and try to get you on the right path. Thank God, young man, this morning. For your mother that spends much time in prayer for you. When you're long in bed and fast asleep, she's getting things ready for you for the next day and for the day after. And I want to just say a personal note this morning. I thank God for everybody in this fellowship. And as we come down near the end of the year, I thank God for those who stand with us. Those who travel a distance, those who tie, those who make this church what it is at the minute. I thank God for every one of you. I thank God for the people who pray, for the people who support us. I thank God for those who stood with us through the deceitful debacle of COVID. When everybody else fled, many traveled and many stood with us here. Faced the authorities and faced the police and faced the press and everything else that turned against us and many of the Christians that turned against us. And I thank God that you people have made this fellowship what it is because this fellowship at the moment is in blessing. This fellowship at the moment is in blessing and before I finish this message this morning I am going to emphasize how we need to keep in blessing and keep the devil out. I thank God for the organist on the pianist every day I get up here. I might not say it to them, I'm not that good at encouraging people. But I thank God for them. I thank God for the youth workers, the Sunday school, the barn. Thank God for all that goes on at this place, the Bible class. And I do thank God every day and I thank God. And I'm publicly saying to you this morning, thank God for you. For standing by the stuff, as David puts it. For standing when others flee and others go. Some have come and some have gone. Someone asked an American pastor what he learned over the years of his ministry. He said, I learned that people come and people go. And I thank God for those of you who stand faithful and have done from the first day we opened the wee hall up there. And I thank God for you all, Lord, this morning. To the Lord for you this morning. Now, the context here is of this situation. And these verses that we have read this morning, the context is here is David is deep in the inhospitable Adullam Cave. You read that in one of the verses. The Adullam Cave was one of the darkest and the deepest and longest caves in Israel. You had to crawl into it on your hands and knees. And from the mouth of that cave, and I think that David must have come out to the mouth of it in odd time. From the mouth of that cave, he could see the homeland it was only a few miles over to Bethlehem, Judah, Ephrata, the house of bread. And I'm sure that he often wondered and I'm sure that he looked out over the fields where he killed the bear and the lion. I wonder did he think of when the days when he sat there and he, and he wrote the Psalms and sang the Psalms. I wonder did he think about the days that they played in the streets and how he shepherded the sheep and 
And how the spring well at the gate. There was a spring well at the gate and he's looking to drink from it, but you'll know in a wee moment about it. And he and his family would have drank of that pure well of water, crystal water. But it was now under occupation. Hear me this morning. We can come under occupation by the enemy very quick. Hear me this morning. This homeland, this homeland of David, Bethlehem, and the fields and the hills were Boaz and Ruth. Those limestone hills, I remember standing in Bethlehem Square with Ivan Thompson one day and looking out over into those limestone hills around the Bethlehem, at the back of Bethlehem, and I thought about Boaz and Ruth when they'd leaned there. David can see from the mouth of this cave, he can see the old homeland, and memories must have flushed back to him and back to him and back to him. He must have thought of the days that he had. And now there's a host of Philistine soldiers and they have surrounded the whole of Bethlehem and they're encamped in the fields and the hills. Oh, I say to you this morning, you just fast forward two millennia from then to now when we're celebrating Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea and is still, it's still under occupation. It's still under occupation. It was under occupation the Romans ruled when Jesus was born. And let me say this very morning as I preach to you, it's still under occupation as part of the West Bank. Bethlehem is under occupation again this morning. She, she was freed in 19, 1967 and through the Oslo Accord to give it back to her and she's not on, she's not freed this morning. The, the Palestinians, the ancestors of the Philistines have captured it and are surrounding it this morning. She's in captivity today, but she's going to be freed one day. And thank God he that the sun sets free will be free indeed and shall never be captured again. This is Bethlehem of Judea. This is the fat of the house of bread. This is the great limestone hills where the, with the, where the barley sheaves were, 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 were gathered up. David, as he looks out over this place, and he scanned the little town of Bethlehem, we'll be singing it maybe next week or the week after. His memories were hard. I think that he swallowed hard as he looked and his memories flooded back and he could see all the, he's in captivity. The land is in captivity. He's running from Saul. He's duking from Saul. And his land is in captivity. And if he had turned around and looked not too far to the back of himself was the valley of Elah where he slew the Philistine giant. No matter where he looked, the victories that had been won had been lost. And my dear friend, listen this morning. Victories that are won can be lost. And we can lose them. And we can be the cause of losing them. And victories that are won in your life this morning can be lost. If you don't maintain them. If you don't maintain the quiet time. And if you don't maintain your godly walk. And if you don't contain and you don't say sorry when you need to say sorry. And it builds up. Let me tell you this. You'll be under captivity very soon again. Keep free this morning. Keep close accounts this morning. Keep open to God this morning. 
Oh, I tell you what thought this man had. And as he scanned this little town, as he looked out, it was a harvest day. The Bible tells us in that verse, it says it was a harvest day. And as he looked out and he saw, he was thirsty. And he said, oh, that one would give me a drink of the water at the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now let me make this clear this morning. When they cried for water in these days, it wasn't always because or only because they were physically thirsty. When he cried for water here, he was physically thirsty. I am sure he was. And he longed for a drink of that pure crystal well where he drank as a child. And I'm sure that he was physically thirsty. But you know when they cried for water in these days, they were crying for the land because the land needed water. And he was crying for the land as well. Just as our Lord Jesus hung on the cross, stripped naked and crowned with thorns. You remember on that cross he says, I thirst. Oh yes, he was thirsty. His tongue claved to the roof of his mouth. But away back in the word of God, in the heart of the book, he says, he, he says, I thirst so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. See, away back in the heart of the book, there was a wee scripture that needed to be fulfilled. And our Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled everything. The whole law and the prophet, he fulfilled all. He left nothing untorn. That was more important to him than the tongue cleaving to his mouth. That there was a scripture fulfilled. Keeping the word of God. Boys, we have some stuff to learn from that. Oh, that one would give me a drink. How this verse 13, and get your eyes on verse 13 as we come to a close. How this verse 13 screamed out at me all week. And themes are abundant in it. Application after application for sinner, for backslider, and for saint. The Holy Ghost as it lay before him showed me a message for you this morning. Alan was not supposed to be in this pulpit this morning. God said he showed me a message for this morning. You just look at that verse 13. We'll do no harm just to read it again. And three of the thirty sheep went down and came to David in the harvest time. Onto the cave of Adullam and the troop of the Philistine pitched in the valley of Rephidim. Verse 14. And David was then in the hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then by them. And here's verse 15. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. By the gate. Tell me this. Be honest this morning. Are you spiritually thirsty this morning? Are you spiritually hungry for the bread of life? From the Ephrata fields. Are you thirsty really this morning for a living water for the drink of the well of Bethlehem? Are you spiritually thirsty this morning? Because the living water speaks of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. Let me say to you that are not saved this morning. You that maybe even think you're saved and you're not saved, you be very sure that you haven't made a profession as a child and there's not one bit in it. I asked a bin man the other day, 
I was filling leaves into a brown bin and he shouted up to me, I'll wait till you bring them down. And decent, good man he was. And he says, I'll go back and get another bun. Bundle them in. He says, I'll wait. Brought them and brought them down. And he healed them in. And I went where he sat them and says, tell me you're saved. He says, no, I'm not. And I says, you're an honest man. For I have asked men of the saved and the said they were, and they were no more saved than the man on the top of the war memorial in Dungana. No, I'm not. Be honest this morning. Be honest this morning. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Are you saved? You know you're saved. You're sure you're saved. Are you? Well, I say to you, sinner, this morning, listen, if you're not saved, listen, there's a drink at the gate. To get into the Bethlehem, into the town of Bethlehem, they had to go past the gate. And you'll never get into heaven until you come to the gate. And at that gate, my friend, is that there were many wells round Bethlehem. Ah, but there was no well like this well. What well are you drinking at this morning, sinner? Where were you drinking in some old pub last night? What are you filling your mind with? Where are you drinking? Where are you feasting? What are you enjoying? The things of the world, the broken sisters, sisters that can never satisfy. You need a drink of the living water this morning. You need a drink of life this morning. You need a drink of the well that is deep and never shall run dry. Hallelujah. I've been drinking at it for 52 years. It's fresh. It's good. It's wholesome, it's clean. It's water that will cleanse. It's water that will purify. Oh, come away from that old place that you are this morning. Oh, he said, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Ah, and these men broke through and got him a drink. I tell you, a greater man has broke through for you this morning. Greater than all these mighty men put together is the mighty man, the Lord Jesus who hung on that old cross and battered and hammered and spat upon to give us life, not only one, not only life, but eternal life, abundant life and eternal life. He says, I have come that you might have life. Some of you are saved this morning and that's about all. There's nothing else. You've never done anything for God. Uh, be fair this morning. Be honest this morning. Where do we compare with these men that we're reading? Where do we compare with the 11th of Hebrews? Where do we compare with our Savior? We must face facts as we come to the end of the year and go out into another year. We must face facts. There was a mightier man than all the men put together. I'll tell you that died on the cross, that the well would be deep and that it'd flow out into everlasting life, that he'd give us life and abundant life and eternal life. Glory to God this morning. My heart is full when I think of what the Lord has done. Oh, sinner, Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, let him come and eat and drink without money and without price. Come away from that old dirty well you were in last night and last week. Come out of that old dark, damp cave, and come out into the out into the presence of the Lord. And there's a man that will give you a drink, a man that will satisfy you this morning. There's a man that will satisfy your soul this morning with the living water. Hallelujah. Backslider. I'm not going to miss you. You stand at the mouth of Adullam. 
And as you look over the past, don't you remember? Don't you remember days of blessing? Don't you remember days when there was victory in your life? When you could have killed the lion and the bear? Do you remember the days when you drank of that water? You drank of that water. You're not drinking anymore. You're not drinking anymore. You're drinking something else. Oh, backslider this morning. The well hasn't changed. David knew that. It's still springing up. It's still ready. You call out for a drink this morning and you'll get it. You'll get it. Oh, backslider this morning, you remember the days when you sat around the fire and you sat with your family like he did with Jesse and the rest of the boys. When they played in the streets and when they enjoyed freedom and liberty. It's all gone. It's taken away. The enemy has come in. And that's what happened to you, isn't it? The enemy got in. You're no longer in the prayer meeting. You're no longer concerned about the table. You're no longer concerned about going on with God or witnessing or standing. You're only a Christian by name and you're ashamed at times to be called up. Did Christ die and suffer on the cross and bleed and battle for that? The joy is gone. Dwells dried up. The old cave dark and lonely. Are you going to come back this morning? Are you going to stay where you are this morning? Miserable and wretched and poor and blind. When there's a flowing well and a flowing river running past your very nose this morning. Will you take a drink and come back this morning? Will you cry out, oh, I'm thirsty. The thirst is gone. All you're thinking about is Christmas. The thirst is gone for God. No, Christmas is so lost it's mean. You see the fields this morning. Can't you see the hills this morning? Can't you remember the days of blessing when you prayed, when you praised, when you stood in the open air? I see men here this morning stood with me in the open air. No sign of them anywhere this morning. Part of an odd Sunday morning in the church. What happened to you? Do you long for a drink? Oh, believer this morning, let me say this. Do you long for your birthright to be restored? Does it not grieve us as Christians this morning to see the land in captivity? Does it not vex us and grieve us this morning to see the occupation of the ecumenists, the modernists, 
the humanists, the atheists, the agnostics, the sodomites, they have taken the land and are mocking God. And as David stood and he said, oh, oh, I'm thirsty. And he looked back and he remembered the victory and he looked forward and he remembered the victory. He's in captivity. How do you feel this morning when you see the state of the church, the state of the church is in? How do we feel when we see men like Robert going for four weeks and seeing not soul and very little? What's wrong? What has happened? Does it grieve us this morning? Oh, may God raise up a bunch and a band of men whose hearts God has touched. May men be raised up like an Isaac whenever Isaac digged again the wells of his father Jacob. Father Abraham. Those wells were filled in. Do you know who they were filled in by? The Philistines. Underneath the Philistines filled them in with dirt and rubbish and, and the men were thirsty. They needed water, they needed life. And Isaac brought his men along and there was a drought and they were going to die. But let me tell you that there underneath those wells was the spring and living water. And Isaac said, we'll, Isaac said, says, and Isaac dug again, he dug again. He didn't need anything new. We don't need anything new this morning. I'm tired of listening to new things. We don't need anything new this morning. We need some boy to tell us how to pray or how to worship or anything. We need the old truths. And we need to dig till we get them again. And we need to take them out and the water will flow. The water's still there. We have covered it in. The Philistines have covered. The enemy has covered them in. And we're thirsty and we're dry this morning. Oh, God, help us that we might get the spade out, that we might dig again the old wells, the old wells. We don't need anything new. We need a fresh touch of God. We need the fresh waters to boil up again into the hearts and souls of men and women. Now, here's a punchline as it close this morning. The saddest thing about all this the Philistines were not to blame it was the house of Israel and God's people the battle wasn't with the Philistines the Philistines seized the opportunity and they moved in when there was a split between the house of Judah and the house of Benjamin, Saul and David were at war. They were at war. And the devil will always seize the opportunity when there's a split. Let it be in the home. Let it be in the marriage. He's watching for that opportunity to get in. And he'll take the ground. And that's what's wrong in our province this morning. Hear me. This is prophetical. Hear me. 
The enemy has seized the opportunity of the division in the church in Ulster. And he has filled in the wells and he has silenced the majority of God's people. He always takes the advantage. He watches on the sidelines. I know that from experience of 34 years here and two major splits. I know that. I know that he watches on the sidelines to get the least bit, the least bit of division. A talking tongue. A murmuring spirit. And if you're at that, may the Holy Ghost drive a dagger into your heart this morning. Because we are going to keep the unity here at all first. Lord, give me a word three years ago. He says, look to yourself that you lose not that which you have wrought for. Mind you, we have wrought for this place. And we're not going to let it go easy. Look to yourselves that you lose not that which you have wrought for, but that you might receive a full reward. I'm looking for the full reward. Is there a grievance between a brother and a sister and the family in the church this morning? I say to you, you put it right or go. Go. Go somewhere else. This house of God must be kept pure if we're going to see the revival. Strong talk, yes, and it'll be stronger. This is God's given house and God's given place where God has decided to bless and is going to bless, but he'll only bless on his terms, not on our terms. And if you're murmuring and talking and scarping about the church and talking about the pastor and the elders and you'll not agree and you'll not come to terms or you'll not apologize for something that you've done, then you are hindering the blessing. The water will not flow. It will not flow. And we know that from experience. The enemy here sees the opportunity. Oh, what a shame. Oh, when he looked in the valley of Elon, he saw he slew that Philistine giant. When he looked and saw the victories that he had across the way, and now they're back, they're back, they're back. They'll come back, he'll come back. Do you hear that now? He'll be back. He left the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Temptation just for a season. He'll come back. Do you remember? He'll be back in your family now. He'll be back at the children. Once he gets that wee edge, he'll be in. He's back. And it wasn't their fault because the devil's job, that's the devil's job. The God of this world has blinded their mind. That's his job. That's his work. Let him do his work. You'll not stop him from doing his work. We'll only stop him from doing his work if we stand together and stand in unity and stand and fight for the old truth. Once we let the old modernistic gospel get into this church by other translations or anywhere else, and I'm standing my ground this morning, 
Once he gets in, he'll turn it into what thousands of others are like. He's not going to do it now. When I'm here, and I'm not going, I know he's not going to do it on the men that's following me either. So we stand this morning. Oh, may God help us in 2022 to stand. What a shame David and them and Saul should have been fighting the Philistines. They should have been battling together, the Philistines, and yet they're divided and separated. And Saul's, Saul's hunting David and he's hiding away in a dark cave from his own people. God help us. Dear friend, this morning, I have unburdened my heart. And all I can say to you this morning is having done all, stand. Let us stand together. Let us stand in unity. Let us stand in loyalty to one another. Let us stand on these old truths that this place was started with. Let us hold on. Let us wait on God. And let us see what God is going to do. And let us say, like the mighty man said to David, Thine are we, David, and on thy side. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him follow the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning again for your word. You know our hearts, Lord, our God, are sad when we look, Lord, at the state of the church and little power, little vision, little passion. Oh God, don't let us sink into that state. Don't let us be carnal. Don't let us, don't, Lord God, let us not make you sick that you spew us out of your mouth. Let us not be lukewarm Christians, Lord, but let us stand like young Bazari stood and thousands down through the years who stood for the faith and for the truth. Oh God, we realize that we're saved and we thank you for the day and hour you saved us. But the battle didn't start until we got saved. And the battle's on this morning, Father, and it shouldn't be with our own people. Should be against the devil and the demons and the powers of darkness and hell that are surrounded us, Lord, that have coveted the ground and the land, that have taken away our birthright, they've taken away that which was God, they've taken away that which we enjoyed away back years ago, Lord, even even thirty years ago. Gone, Lord, the enemy's in, we've let him in. Oh God, help us this morning to to live for thee. Wilt thou not revive us again? Wilt thou not turn again the tide, Lord? Wilt thou not have mercy upon us, Lord, once more, our Father, that we might see there is in Christ the greatest and mightiest of all who destroyed death and hell at Calvary. We thank you for him, and we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanseth us from all sin. Bless us, we pray, Lord, and Father, we ask that your hand will be upon us. In the Saviour's name.